This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. I have been extremely lucky on my journey with this podcast to chat with some really amazing people. And new people come to the podcast every week to listen. And so what we want to do with these lessons is take the little golden nuggets, the really important pieces of each conversation and bring them back to life for you. So hopefully it can change your mind, affect the way you think, or potentially give you a solution to a problem you're facing right now. What are the different elements that you wrapped around your product um, and also, you know, building the product that you can kind of share some advice of, okay, if you have an idea, maybe this is the checklist you need to go through to make sure it's going to be a worthwhile journey. Well, I think the most important thing is to figure out, is there a need for your product in the market? Mm. Um, I think there is lots of beauty brands popping up and I've said this before, beauty is a very attractive category because customers want to spend big on beauty. There's been a huge shift towards, you know, Mm beauty-focused products and with Instagram, everybody wants to, you know, appear beautiful and improve their skin quality and, you know, beauty and skincare are massive and the margins are attractive. So the unit economics in those two categories are very favourable. But it's really difficult to compete because what's going to set you apart from X, Y and Z beauty products that have just launched on the same day? And I don't, I honestly don't think that customers like Mecca would have paid us you know, any attention if we weren't offering something different. Mm -hmm. So what I love about GEM is that we're in a completely different category, but there is still ties to, you know, the beautification of oral care. And so we can talk and present in a way that a beauty brand would, but we're presenting a non-competing product. The things that you were wrapping around your product as well, like, um, you know, obviously building the product, you had differentiation through going natural and you were kind yes. of talking about the, you know, making sure that there's a need for your product yes. as a checklist. And then, exactly. then I think we also talked a little bit about branding and packaging, which yes. I, I find that really interesting because that's yes. a, um, you know, your messaging has to be different. You, yeah. you have to be able to stand out, you know, yes. not only from a needs perspective, but yes. to get that attention in the first place. Yeah. So I think the number one thing is figuring out if there's a need for your product in the market. And then number two, who is your ideal customer and what are they looking for in the product that you're providing? You really need to figure out your customer. So is she female? Is he male? You know, how old are they? What are they looking for in a product? Do they want clean, minimal aesthetic in packaging? Do they want, you know, hyper kind of brand maximalism in packaging? And then you need to tailor your product in accordance with their needs. Mm. But it's tricky with things like oral care and toothpaste because, you know, people ask me, who's your customer? Anyone with teeth, really. So I've got my 10-year-old cousin using the brand and loving it, using the toothpaste, and then I've got my 87-year-old grandmother using it as well. So how do you really create packaging neutral enough to subscribe to both of those kind of tastes and preferences? Is psychology something that you focused on? Like I know we talk, you know, when we're talking about that bullseye and we can say like, you know, demographics and gender, but, you know, is psychology something that you kind of focused on when you go out and you think about packaging and... And a key kind of point? I think psychology is something we focus on when I think about my distribution strategy. So I think um, for us, it was really important to launch into a premium player like Mecca Mm -hmm. and really establish the brand in a really premium sort of way and in a really premium position. Uh, But what I've quickly learned is, you know, customers unfortunately buy their toothpaste at the supermarket and the pharmacy. And if we're not available on shelf, then we really don't exist. Mm -hmm. So... 
you know, to tailor that kind of, or to have a tiered kind of distribution approach where you present in a really premium way, you enter the market in a really premium way, and then you almost seep down and then offer that kind of accessibility to Mm. everybody by being available kind of everywhere is how we've really dealt with like the psychology of customers and creating the brand in that way. Yeah, and so was that something like you kind of realized in real time or is that something you specifically uh, engineered maybe, you know, in the beginning of kind of going, almost trying to create demand in the beginning and then as the brand gets more awareness over time, you can start to make your way into, you know, these more accessible distribution channels. I think it was something that I've learned along the way. So I think I wanted to go out as a premium natural oral care product And what I quickly realized was, you know, in my space specifically, you're premium at say $15, but you're not premium premium enough that you can sell enough volume at that level to make enough money to spend on marketing. So it's really figuring out that unit economics piece, which I touched on earlier, and just making sure that you've got enough fat in the equation to justify kind of growing the brand and spending on marketing because, you know, there's so many hidden costs that you quickly realize and quickly understand. That's another thing I would recommend definitely getting, you know, somebody to help you with your P&L and with budgeting as well. Um, because, you know, and I almost work backwards. Like I figure out my projected volume and then, you know, where does that put me from a margin perspective? How many, you know, how much cost do I need to factor in from a warehousing and logistics perspective? And then how much do I have on marketing? But marketing should be your number one thing, especially when launching a startup. Like, you know, you need to make people aware of the brand. Yeah, 100%. I love that you – so uh, unit unit economics is just like a – I feel like when you first get into business, you may have a a little bit of an understanding, but as you're trying to navigate growth, that's probably one of the most important things to truly understand. Um, And I love also how you're talking about I think, for, you know, if you think about your journey specifically, trying to, you know, enter the market premium, having, and, you know, when we talk about premium, we're talking about larger margins, higher price point, which is not just, it's not just a unit economics equation. It's, you know, if you want to be premium, you actually have to price there. Can you explain a little bit about unit economics, you know, in your journey and, yeah. and the role that has played and maybe just give a brief overview of, you know, what, a, what unit economics are and yeah, why they're definitely. important? So just for context and, you know, reference, I really just wrapped my head around this almost like in the past six, 12 months. So if you're starting a new brand and you have no idea what it is, like that's okay. And you also learn kind of on the ropes or you learn in business. And, you know, that's the beauty of starting your own business. It's the best MBA you'll ever have. It's like like unit economics for me is one of those things you learn because like, because your accountant comes and taps you on the shoulder totally. and says, hang on, you, you know, this could be a big problem. And margin. I mean, like, I never, I did arts at uni. Like, no one yeah. ever told me what margin <laughs> was. Like, I've got no yeah. idea, you know. But it's just, essentially unit economics is your cost price for the goods. So you go to a manufacturer, they give you, you know, the, my toothpaste is going to cost me X. Then I'm going to price it at a retail level at X. But what you also need to factor in if you're going to use things like wholesalers and distributors You'll have your wholesale price, which in every category is different. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have your distribution price, which again, in every category is different. So you need to make sure that there's enough fat between your cost price and then your sell price 
not your eventual sell price, but your sell price to your distributor who sells it to the wholesaler, who sells it to the retailer. You need to make sure that tiny, tiny, tiny bit of fat is enough to justify the whole rest of the kind of operation. Yeah. So that's warehousing, logistics, marketing, staff, um, any other kind of costs, any overheads. So it's it's hard. It's yeah. tricky. It's really hard to make money. Yeah, hundred um, yeah. percent. And it's I mean, look, it just becomes so important as you get bigger as well. Like yeah. I'm sure that's what, and I think that's kind of coming back to what you were saying before around entering premium. Then all of a sudden, you know, you need to create some accessibility. So yes, well, it's all about volume, right? Yeah, especially as you're trying to scale. Especially in MySpace, yeah. like we're all about volume. You have to have volume there. Yeah. And it only makes sense for more volume to come as yeah. you're scaling the business, which um, that's when union economics becomes really important. You exactly. know, um, having then, a great accountant, like, you know, that's something that I recommend massively. And yeah. it saved me, you know, in the early days, you kind of notice the difference between a great accountant and someone who's just there to do your basses and, yeah, and so exactly. on. But I also think it's important, you know, when starting a business to really identify you know, four or five businesses that you aspire to be like. Mm. And so whether or not they are a huge multi-million dollar mass brand in grocery and pharmacy supermarket, or are they a premium, which is okay as well. Like are they a premium niche kind of player only with their kind of own D2C distribution point and they're stocked in one other retailer. And so there's cases to be made by, there's cases to be made on two different types of business models, you just kind of have to figure out the space that you want to play in. How do you come to that decision? Do you think like what was you know what were some of the uh, characteristics that you looked for for inspiration for your brand, and yeah. and why did you why you know how do you make that decision? So how do you kind of you know um, how do you choose that brand? You know, um, is it more of a internal desire? Is it from a brand perspective? Are you looking at say what you think the numbers are? Are they public yeah. companies? I honestly think it's about how big do you want to be? Yeah. Because you'll never be mass. You'll never be enormous. You'll never be a household brand if you're in one retailer. Yeah. So I think it's about your appetite for growth. Um, and I think it's about your personal preference as well. Mm. So I do think that there is value in maintaining that brand by having it in one channel you know if you've got your d2c business which i think is really really difficult in australia to make money on d2c only but it gives you complete control over your brand whereas if i'm selling into big retailers the minute i sell my product the control's gone yeah so i can have some influence on the way that it looks on shelf but the messaging and the branding around that gets diluted once you sell into a bigger retailer yeah I think it also, that, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, maybe you can talk to, I think you, you mentioned it before, but like that personal preference as well. Like you said, how big do you want to be? Yeah. And like, you know, I think in, I think what I've learned, you know, probably over the last 18 months is that you, you actually really have to think pretty hard about that. You know, yeah. like do, how big do you actually want to be? Because it's also going to require you um, to make these decisions, you know, that you're, you just talked about, like, you know, um, what path do you want to take in business? You yes. know, is that, did you have that figured out from the very beginning? Did you kind of go into this, you know, you, you talked about that two year phase where you were kind of 
trying to really build the product and figure that out. Yeah. At the same time, were you thinking about how big you wanted to be and you, you kind of identified that or is that something you just kind of figured out along the way? Yes and no. I feel like in the early stages, I remember being on a plane and doing all the numbers and, you know, figuring out if we can sell X amount of volume and then we can make X amount of money and da 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 da. But I think what I was maybe naive about at the time was that, you know, I was selling one SKU with a very specific kind of style and packaging and, and branding. And, you know, I was selling natural toothpaste, which we're still selling today, but, you know, in one flavor. So I think. At the time, I was maybe naive into thinking that, you know, one skew is going to make me a multimillionaire. Mm. What I've since learned is, you know, one skew in one retailer, by the way. What I've since learned is, you know, I've always had an appetite to be enormous and to be everywhere and to be accessible to everybody because I think having a brand that looks really premium but is really affordable and accessible is that is a key mm. driver for me. And that's just something that I've realised just by being in business. But what I realised was, you know, expanding into more SKUs, um, offering different flavor options, offering different products that a natural consumer wouldn't necessarily, you know, if we want to be mass, then we need to offer products that appeal to the mass market. So not everybody would shop a natural toothpaste, but everybody should shop a electric toothbrush. Mm. So really reflecting my product offering to, to mirror what I wanted to see in the market. 